This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. I want to share a little story and I'm going to introduce to you the series that we're going to be in and the book that we're going to be going through. And uh, so give me a few minutes while I lay the foundation for where we're going this morning and where we're going to be going for the 12 weeks. Uh, A story is told of a bird owner who was cleaning out his birdcage and um, apparently he was using a vacuum cleaner when he was cleaning out the birdcage and he felt his phone vibrate. He didn't know it was a phantom vibration of someone was calling him so he reached into his pocket to get his phone and he heard that dreadful noise. (laughs) Exactly. So hurriedly he turned off the vacuum and and, and he he opened the bag and and he saw the poor little bird covered in dust staring at him like, why would you do this to me? I thought you loved me. (laughs) He picks it up in a hurry and before he could think, he ran to the sink and turned on the faucet and tried to wash the bird off. And he realized, oh my gosh, the water is freezing cold. So he ran, took the bird to his wife's dressing table or whatever, and pulled out her hair dryer and blasted it with hot air. <laughs> I want you to picture the bird. <laughs> it had been a week since this incident took place. And the bird had lost its chirpiness and its song. And it stood there in silence with occasional squeaks and squeals, and then it's silent again. A bird that was once chirpy and happy and singing and talking was silent all of a sudden. Job is a man who got sucked up, thrown in the dirt, put under the cold water, blasted with hot air, and he's lost his song. I don't feel worthy to talk about the man suffering with stories that are funny, but I've got to get this message out to you. God wants to get this message out to you. Have you lost your song? I want to tell you right from the get-go that for the past five weeks I've been preaching the same sermon. Uh, You still haven't caught on to it. But I've been preaching the same message. I've just been using different words and different passages of scripture. But it's the same message. Don't lose your worship. The series that we're going to go through is not going to be like other series that I've gone through when we went through a whole book, verse by verse, studying it. We went through the book of Revelation, the book of Acts, the book of Ecclesiastes, and quite a few more. This series is going to be different. I'm not going to go through it verse by verse. The book... It's 42 chapters, and there's a lot of poetry in this. I cannot possibly do 42 chapters in 12 weeks if we're going to go through it verse by verse. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull themes from it that ask the question, what do I do when God cannot be found? What do I do in the dirt? What do I do in the cold? What do I do with the blast of hot air? And what do I do when I'm back in a cage and I've lost my song? As we take a sneak peek into the life of a man, who's sitting and barely holding on and asking the question, where can I find him? Where can I find him? Where can I find him? I want to challenge you that's sitting over here and those watching at home. For the next 12 weeks, I want you to put everything on hold on a Sunday morning. And I want you to come. Because this might not be a need that you feel right now, but I guarantee you, Life will make you feel this weight. What do I do? What do I do when God cannot be found? What do I do when God cannot be found? You know, I also had to ask myself the question, what if you don't? What if you don't invest in going through this book with us? What if you just ignore it? What if we we just did away with the book of Job and be like, you know what, I will read the Psalms instead. It seems a little better. It starts off sorrowful, but it ends happy really quick in seven verses. 
why do I need to go through the book of Job? And this is why. Because if we forfeit, if we lose, if we let go of this beautiful book that God's given us in his word, you will not get to see the blessing that God has for you when you've gone through the sorrow. After you've made this journey, after you've gone through the 42 chapters of your life, after you've gone through the 12 weeks, there's a blessing that awaits those who continue to hold fast to their song even when God cannot be found. I don't want me personally and for my family and for the church that God's called me to shepherd, I don't want to forfeit that blessing. And the blessing doesn't have to be material. The biggest blessing that you can't receive is being able to worship in spirit and in truth. I guarantee you that. Amen. I was telling my friend last night, I said, take away my money. Take away my family. Take away my friends. But please don't take away my passion. Please don't take that away because that's the only thing I have to be able to connect with him and to be able to worship him. Man, I, I take away everything else. But as long as I'm living and breathing, I want to have my worship. I want to have my worship. And, and because there's a blessing that comes when you worship, if you hold back your worship, don't expect anything from God. But when you worship him, you're giving worth to him. He will bless you. Because it's a common understanding even in the world. The person you respect, you'll get the most from. Do you know that? If you're not able to get anything from your husband, respect him and watch what you will get from him. If your children learn to respect your parents, you know what I'm talking about. Oh man, you want to give them. You want to bless them. It's a common understanding. What you respect, you will learn from. And worship is about giving worth to God. And Satan is going to come and try to steal your worship. He's going to try and steal your song. Now the common assumption as we go through the series, as I talk about worship, as I talk about suffering, I want you to know I'm not saying you got to keep a stiff upper lip and hold back those tears and put on that cheesy, oh, God is good, brother. I'm great. <clears throat> yeah, it makes me want to like stamp their toe and be like, what about now? You know, <clears throat> What about now? No. As believers, as believers, God wants us to be honest with our pain. Listen, listen to me, please. God wants you to be honest with your pain and worship from that place. And to bring him a sacrifice of praise. God, I don't feel like it, but I'm choosing to because you are still God. God, I don't want to, but I'm going to because I know that's what I ought to do. Because if I lift you up, you will show me that your ways are better than my ways. And we forfeit the blessing. And what I'm telling you is, as we talk about worship, it's not about hiding your pain. It's not about forcing a song in your mouth, but it's helping you find your song in worship. It's about finding your song in your suffering. In the book of uh, Psalms, the book of Psalms, not the book of Job, you're like, oh, you missed it. He needs a rock star. I do, but <laughs> the book of Psalms is 150 chapters. And in 150 chapters, the psalmist asks 160 questions. 150 chapters, 160 questions. Not too bad. The book of Job is 42 chapters. You want to take a while, guess how many questions? 330 questions. In 42 chapters, he asks 330 questions. And all those questions come down to, boil down to, what do I do when God cannot be found? And what we're going to see, this godly man, what he does is, even when he doesn't see God in everything that's happening, he doesn't lose his song. He doesn't lose his worship. Job was a man who didn't have theological books on his shelf because God was his theology. Everything that he had was from God. God was his provider intellectually. God was his provider spiritually. And even physically, it was God who sustained this man named Job. And yet we see that this book of Job is a theological mess. Greg, I thought you'd laugh at that, man. 
It's in the Bible in New Christian. The pastor is calling it a theological mess because it confronts and challenges the normal understanding that we have of God. It really confronts it. It's kind of crazy. This book of Job, it laughs at the typical worldview that good things happen to good people and bad things only happen to bad people. It debunks karma. This book is a mess emotionally, especially if you're a person who's struggling with hardships right now or have gone through it and has lingering, the lingering residue of the pain of suffering. Because this book almost seems like it's God who needs a lecture on how to be more human. I hope you're happy that you come to a church where the pastor is willing to be real. Because, because when I read through this book, it's kind of like, God, I almost want to, and kind of Job wants to do that actually at some point. It's like, it seems like, God, you are the one that needs to learn how to have a human. It's kind of like a Hollywood movie. Yeah, he's a robot. He doesn't have a heart. He doesn't have any emotions. This book is a mess, I'm telling you, man. It's crazy, and I love it that God included it in the Bible so we can study from it and get to know God better and align ourselves to who he is. Job has friends. It's great to have friends when you go through hard times, but what good are friends if they're there just to criticize you and not comfort you? There's no room for words for the wind. You know, when you're going through hard times, as a pastor especially, uh, when you're sitting with people who are going through hard times, they say things that are not theologically right. And I learned very young that when a person is going through sorrow they say things that they don't really mean that's not the time to correct a person's theology that's the time to let them vent to let them vent oftentimes we want to play God we want to step in and we're like oh wait a minute man but you know what God it's okay it's okay it's okay it's okay Job's friends are there not there to support him they're there to criticize him it's kind of crazy and Job is all alone what do you do when you've done everything right what do you do when you come to church, you paid your tithes, you worshipped, you've written songs, you've served in ministries, but it seems like God cannot be found. That's going to be our title for the next 12 weeks, when God cannot be found. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Job, and we'll pick up from Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Isn't it interesting that the book doesn't start with in the reign of King Uzziah or when the people of Israel were moving through the wilderness it starts with there was a man in Hebrew it literally means it says a man there was whose name was Job there was a man the, the author right away says pay attention to this man there's something about him you've got to know when you go through the 42 chapters there was a man named Job in the land of Uz Uz um, was in the place of Edom it wasn't a part of Israel in fact um, Job is, existed even before there was a Jew or an Israelite before the time of the patriarchs even, before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, some scholars believe that Job existed um, during the time of Noah. So way old. A lot of the city names, um, you know, the way they've named it dates way back, even before Abraham's time or around Abraham's time. But in the land of Uz, there was a man named Job. And look at his character. He was blameless and upright. He feared God and turned away from evil. I got to take some time to, to, to paint out who this man was because as we go through 42 chapters I guarantee you you are going to wonder if this man really had something hidden in his life that we don't know about with the torture that he goes through blameless what does it mean that he was blameless the Hebrew word over there is tam timayim which means perfect perfect not as in sinless but he was genuine he was authentic he was sincere in fact I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago how God requires us to be sincere sincera without wax in fact God requires this of the people of Israel and he speaks through Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 verse 14 and he says now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity it's the same word used over here 
serve him in sins in Timayim. He was a sincere man. It's not that he had no sin, but he was genuine in his integrity. Not just that, it says that he was upright. Uh, a pastor friend of mine, man, I love this guy. He was a smart man. Uh, he was talking about Job chapter 1 verse 1. He said this Job was upright. And he says, what is upright? He says, when you're up is right, you're upright. I'm like, wow. Okay, break it down for me in Hebrew, pastor. He says, whatever is your top priority, if that's wrong, you're going to fall. If your top is right, you're upright. But the Hebrew word over there is yasar which means he wasn't crooked in his dealings. So he's, he has integrity and genuineness in his character, in his person, and in his dealings with other people, he's not crooked. He's a man that you could do business with. What, he, what you see is what you get. If he makes a promise, he's gonna keep it. In fact, Job is a great businessman, and I think it's because of this character of his. And it says he feared God. In other words, he had reverence towards God, an affection that caused him to carefully bow in humility before God. He had a holy reverence for God. Beautiful guy, right? And he turned away from evil. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. That in the Old Testament, you will find a man who's turning away from evil. Teshua, which means repentance. Isn't that what God requires of us? And he turned away from evil. He's constantly living a life of repentance. Daily repenting. Whenever God brings something to his attention, he's repenting. He's repenting. He's turning. Imagine a man with integrity. A man who's genuine, a man who's solid with his dealing with people, a man who's humble before God and is quick to repent. Wouldn't you want to be a friend of this guy? He's a fantastic guy. In fact, he seems to be a guy that would be an amazing pastor, an amazing leader. He's a genuine believer. And you need to know that godly lives like this is mocked by a blessing. David writes in the book of Psalms, he says, he'll be like a tree planted by the river who'll bear fruit in and out of season all year long, baby. This guy, man, he is chugging along. The Lord blesses those that he loves and those that love him. Look at verse 2. There was born to him seven sons and three daughters. Children were in heritage from the Lord. And he has a great heritage. And he possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. And very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people in the east. That word greatest is funny because it literally means he was heavy. He was heavy. He wasn't obese. He was heavy. He was large. He took up a lot of room with how much stuff he had. He was a weighty guy. He was the greatest of all the people in the East. So people knew about him. People knew about his integrity. People wanted to do business with him. In his personal life, he's got character. In his business life, he's got success. Look at his family. That's all the time we have for today. But we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 